Today's message is entitled, Becoming One. You see the title on the screen, Becoming One. And the focus here is around discipleship. So the first message was around salvation. The second one was around victory. And this one focuses around discipleship. So the title this morning is Becoming One. Would you say that with me? Becoming One. And I'd like to say the big idea around this message today is that to realize that through knowing, loving, and serving Jesus, we continuously become more like Him. May I say that again? Through knowing Him, through loving Him, through serving Him, we continuously become discipled to be more and more like Him. And I believe that that process is the pursuit of true disciples. How many true disciples do we have here today? I trust your hand is up. Don't be sure. Now, three points that I'd like to share with you on this topic of becoming one. And the first one is, we become one with God by following Christ. We become one with God by following Christ being a disciple. Let me just put it in another way to help you understand it even further. That in other words, when we learn to know the Lord Jesus and become more acquainted with him, we're probably doing so by following him. So that's what happens when we're learning to know the Lord and become more like him. It's happening as we are following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you're not going to be experiencing that growth and development in becoming one with him and like him. But if you're following him, you will experience that change in your life. Now, imagine a little example here with me, a little illustration. Let's say that you are given a young Labrador dog. And how many of you like Labrador dogs? Anybody like Labradors? We got a Labrador, and uh, we enjoy our Labrador. We also got a German Shepherd, and you know what? During this week, four o'clock in the morning, they were barking like crazy. I had visions of donating them to the SBCA, <laughs> but fortunately, that didn't last too long. And but when the dogs bark at night, man, oh man, that's an irritation. But let's imagine you've got this Labrador. It's a young dog. It's six months old. And it begins to follow you. And you've got a close connection with this. And, and the dog begins to follow you everywhere you go. And you've allowed it to come inside. You walk to the kitchen. The dog's there. You're in bed. The dog's sleeping next to the bed. You walk to uh, the TV room. The dog's there. And sometimes you love dogs so much, the dog even jumps on your lap, even the big Labrador. And wherever you go, even if you go to work or you go on holiday, the dog comes with you. Let's just say, for, for argument's sake, he even comes to work, all right? Now, what will happen is soon the dog will get to know you. Am I right? Pretty soon. That dog knows you, and it knows when you talk in a certain tone of voice what you mean. Or if you talk in the wee, 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 tone of voice, then the tail starts to wag. Soon the dog begins to know you. And let me tell you, if you follow someone, you get to know them. Let me give you another example. Let's say I invited you to follow me for the next 12 months. And I said, I want you to come and hang out with me. 
And wherever I go, would you please come? Would you attend my appointments with me? Would you attend my speaking engagements? Would you hang out with me? Would you be with me at work? And when I'm doing preparation, would you come and sit next to me and I'll be preparing? You can just sit there and watch what I'm doing and so on. Well, chances are you would begin to soon discover who I am. You would learn to know me. And here's the point that if you follow somebody, you become to know them. You get to know them. But here's the wonderful thing. As you follow Jesus, as you follow Jesus, you get to know him. You come to know him and you become one with him. You are one with him from salvation, but it's as though that oneness grows into really knowing the person of Jesus. And so I would want to say to you that if you've been only serving God for for one year, you might only know him to a certain extent. And I believe as we grow, maybe you've been serving the Lord for 10 years, you should know the Lord a whole lot better. This is a progressive journey in discovering Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Listen to this quote by Pastor Ed Roberts. A disciple is someone who lives in such close relationship with his master, that the very life of his master rubs off onto him. Don't you like that? So close that it just begins to rub off onto you. A question I want to ask you as a disciple of Jesus here today, you are a disciple, is the master rubbing off onto you? And I trust that you can say yes in your heart that the master is rubbing off onto you. But in terms of this aspect of discipleship related to becoming one with Christ, I want to say one or two things about discipleship is that it takes time to make a disciple. Think about that. Would you agree with that? It takes time to make a disciple. And at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went and he called his disciples to come and follow him. And some people think, well, when Jesus came and walked up to some of the fishermen to say, would you follow me, or Peter, or Mark, or John, or whatever, that this was the first time they had ever seen Jesus. No, no, no. They had seen Jesus ministering in the vicinity. They had come to know of his ministry. Jesus was sought after. And here what happens is eventually he walks up to a few people that I believe the Father has identified, and he goes up to them and he says, would you follow me? And you know what? That was an immense privilege because this is Jesus. He's been ministering all over. Now he's asking me to follow him. And it says in Matthew 4, verse 19 to 20, it says, Then he said to them, follow me. Would you say the words, follow me? And I want to just interrupt and say for a moment, today, Jesus is saying these same words to you. They can be as real today as they were then. Jesus is saying to you today, Sir, ma'am, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, although they immediately followed him, they did not immediately become like him, because that takes time. Do you know that it took Jesus three years of training, three years of teaching them, 
three years of developing them to get his disciples to begin to understand him. And he was teaching them during this time and he taught them who he is. He taught them the principles of the kingdom of God. He taught them how they should live their lives. And the way in which this all happened was they were doing life together. They walked together, they talked together, they ate together, they journeyed many miles together, they also even stayed together. Can you imagine that bunch of disciples? They began to really bond and begin to understand one another, in particular, understand the master. You might be sitting here today and you say, well, John, I'm frustrated in my walk of discipleship with the Lord because it feels like I'm not making enough progress and I'm feeling a little bit discouraged right now. Well, I want to just encourage you today and say, realize that it is a process. As Jesus is making you his disciple, you said yes to Jesus and you said, Lord, I want to follow you. But it is a process as he is making you his disciple. And I want to say to you today, embrace the process. Say yes to it. Say yes to it regularly. Say yes to that process daily. But be encouraged that God will never abandon the process. He will never abandon the work of his hands, the word of God says. And I want to encourage you and say that even today, You might be feeling not so spiritual today, I don't know, you might be feeling a bit cold, you felt like you should have stayed in bed this morning on this cold and rainy day, but I want to tell you, even today, he is busy with his process in your life. Even right now, through the words that you're hearing, God is busy discipling you. It is a process, and he's going to bring it through to a flourishing finish. You're not always going to be just in the training and development time. He's going to bring it to a flourishing finish. It says in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Would you say those words, will complete it? Say it one more time, will complete it. He's going to complete the work that he has started. But besides for discipleship being something that takes time, it also does require of us a full commitment. And sometimes we like the subject of discipleship because it excites us in following Jesus. But when we talk about a full commitment or laying down our lives and taking up his cross and following him, it actually becomes a little bit like, wow, do I really want to do this? But I want to encourage you and say that, yes, we want to make this a full commitment in our lives. A commonly used uh, definition of disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I heard that definition a long time ago. It's always stuck with me. What is a disciple? A fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is all about devotion. It's all about being fully committed to Jesus. And personally, when I think of the aspect of discipleship, the word sold out comes to mind. Wouldn't you agree that sold out sounds like somebody who is a real, fully devoted follower of Christ? Billy Graham, he made a quotation about discipleship. He said this, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything that we have. 
<laughs> Isn't that true? Salvation's free, but discipleship is the surrender part. And in Mark 12, verse 30, it's on your screen. It says, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart. I want, to see, I want you to see how sold out this is. All your heart, with all your soul, it's your mind, will, and emotions, with all your mind, it's listed there separately, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Look at all of those, those all, 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 all. Look at the soul, mind, strength, and heart. What does that tell you about a disciple of Jesus? I believe a disciple is somebody who has given over their lives and said, Jesus, I am going to seek you first. I'm not going to let my career be first in my life. Even though I love what I do, I love that career, I'm not going to let it be first. And in Matthew 4, verse 16, it says, they immediately, 417, I read it earlier, it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, just to mention to you, that doesn't mean that you need to leave your job, <laughs> okay? You don't have to type up your resignation tomorrow. Just breathe a sigh of relief for a moment. But what it does mean is that you have to surrender your life. It means you need to place your life at God's disposal and let your life be of service to Him. What an immense privilege. So that's point number one. We become one with God by following Christ, being a disciple. Number two, we become one with God by growing in relationship. Won't you say that with me? We become one with God by growing in relationship. And this is about spending time with Him. I believe, this is my sense, that the greatest joy in life is the joy of knowing Jesus. It's the joy of knowing Jesus. And there was a song that I learned as a kid. It's the song, The Greatest Thing in All My Life is Knowing You. And I can remember as maybe a 10-year-old singing that song, and I actually so loved to sing that song. It's as though something resonated within me as I sung that song, and something just felt right about it, that yes, it is the greatest thing, knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The greatest thing. In all my life is knowing you. How many of you also love that song and you say that that resonates with you? Wow. It says something so profound. And you know, the Apostle Paul, he never gave the impression that he reached a point where he had arrived. But he always said that I'm pressing on to know Christ. 
I'm pressing on into the depths of Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 3 verse 10, it is on your screen, Paul says these words, he says, that I may know him. Please say that with me, that I may know him. That was Paul's heart. Is it your heart today? I believe it is. Now listen, in the Amplified Bible, it explains know him. That I may know him, and it says, experientially, becoming thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. Wow, what a journey into the heart of God. To know him, I'm saying to you today, that's what I want. Raise a hand if you say that that's what you also want, to know him in an ever-increasing way. One of our members, I was chatting to him a little while ago in the church, and, and he came along about four years ago in 2012 and joined the church, and he spoke to me, and he said, you know what, John, it's, it's quite interesting. I had actually served the Lord all my life, but I don't understand it fully, but when I came here for the first time, I discovered Jesus. I said, what do you mean? He says, for the first time I discovered you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. He said, I knew God in the sort of bigger sense, the God to be feared and honored and, and we must live according to the word and the Bible and so on. And I'd been in this traditional church all my life, but somehow a personal relationship with Jesus was missing. And he says, to, to me now, this means everything in the world to me. What is he saying? This is the greatest thing, is knowing you, Jesus. He says, this means everything. And now he's become one of the leaders in the church, and, and he's running this course. It's all about Jesus, encouraging other people to discover Jesus for themselves. I want to tell you, you can live in a church, well, not live in a church, but you can be in a church your entire life and never discover Jesus. It is a personal relationship with Jesus. Come on, church, don't be so quiet. It's a personal relationship with Jesus that we discover. And then once we've discovered it, we just sense that all the more I want to know him more, I want to know him more. It's about discovering that personal relationship. Now, may I ask, would you like to develop your relationship with Jesus even more? I'm sure you'd say yes. And I just want to mention two spiritual disciplines that can help to fuel your personal walk with Jesus. And to bear in mind, it is a personal walk. I want to say this, your mother can't, be, uh, can't develop your personal relationship. Your wife can't develop your personal relationship. Your life group leader, your pastor can't. You actually develop that personal relationship. But God comes and he helps you in that process but you need to be stepping out in that regard. Now, two spiritual disciplines. The first one is prayer. Would you say the word prayer? Prayer is so important in the life of a Christ follower. And when I was preparing this, and prayer was one of the points that, that uh, came out in this message, I, I thought to myself, but this is not the first time that God is speaking to us this year about prayer. Earlier this year, Byron preached a message when he was talking about the kingdom of God, and he spoke about the importance of prayer. Two or three weeks after that, I was also talking about the kingdom of God from the book of Acts, and we were talking about how the early church was devoted, and one of the points was they devoted themselves to prayer. 
And here, yet again, prayer is being highlighted. And I would submit to you that hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hear what God is stirring, this aspect of prayer. What is prayer? It is simply communicating with God. Prayer is communicating with God. It is essential in the life of a Christ follower, and you can actually build your relationship with God by praying and by waiting upon Him. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, it says, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. How many of you have read the scripture about, you know, pray without ceasing and you felt a little bit condemned, like, gee, you can't actually do it. Nobody's putting up their hands. Okay, it's just me. <laughs> I'm sure we felt that at times. Pray without ceasing. And when I th- originally began to read the scripture, I thought to myself, well, this is impractical to pray like this. This is impractical, and it's unrealistic that you can pray in this kind of way. But let me tell you that I am slowly learning to understand that it is entirely possible in Christ, through Christ, through the Christ life. It is entirely possible because you have the Holy Spirit living within you, that he is constantly stirring prayer. It may not mean that every second of the day that you are praying, but as a lifestyle, there's prayer often just arising in your heart. You're giving this to the Lord. You're praying to the Lord about that. You're saying, Lord, give me wisdom in this situation. Lead and guide me. And so I want to say that it is entirely possible. And I have discovered that in my own life, in my walk with the Lord, that my prayer life over the years has increased. It hasn't diminished. I've discovered that I pray a lot more. I pray about a lot of things. I pray a lot of the time. And it's actually wonderful. And that's the way, one of the ways in which I'm building my relationship with the Lord Jesus through praying. And I want to tell you that I pray because I need to pray. (laughs) I pray because I need God. I was chatting to a pastor a little while ago, and he said, you know what, John? I pray to survive. (laughs) And I thought, hey, brother, you need a holiday, man. You need a, no, no, no. But really, we do need to pray because we need God. Can you say amen? amen? The second spiritual discipline is absorbing the word of God, absorbing the words. This is huge. And the Bible says in John 8 verse 31, then Jesus said, if you abide in my word, doesn't that sound like absorbing the word? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. I believe that a true disciple comes to understand how important the word of God is and how important it is to let the word of God infiltrate your mind and infiltrate your heart, and change the way you operate. God's word is there to bring change, and and we change according to renewing our mind to the word of God. But you know what, church? Think about this for a moment. Think of how blessed you are to have God's words in a handbook that he has given you. God has given you everything you need to be victorious, He's given you victory. He's given you victory over sin. He has given you everything that you need 
for a life of godliness. He has given you the spirit of God to help you as your paraclete. He's given you believers around you. And then above all of that, he has given you his word. This is incredible. That God, who is invisible to us, even puts a handbook, an owner's manual in your hand. And he says, you know what? This is just to help you in discovering me, in growing in your relationship with the Lord. I want to tell you, we should be grateful for the word of God, that we have it in our hands. And as we read it, we grow in our relationship. The scripture says in Joshua 1 verse 8, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. What is the scripture talking about? It's talking about speaking the word. It's talking about meditating on the word. It's talking about doing the word, and then there is promise that you will have good success. The word of God is so important. So these two spiritual disciplines, namely prayer and absorbing the word, I would submit to you that they will fuel your love relationship with Jesus. And maybe you think things aren't really fired up as they should be in your love relationship with the Lord. Well, I humbly submit to you that let the prayer dimension begin to bubble up again. Let the absorbing of the word begin to take place because it's powerful. It will have an effect on your life. Can I hear an amen? Number three, the last point, which isn't a very long one. We become one with God by living for Him. Won't you say that with me? We become one with God by living for Him. And this is all about becoming Jesus to others. I've written a statement which is on your screen. Part of our growth in the knowledge of Christ is discovered in living for Him and serving Him. I cannot, I, I believe that you cannot fully discover Christ unless you are serving Him and bearing fruit for Him. Part of your discovery comes in the stepping out. Part of your discovery comes in the serving. Part of your discovery comes in the bearing of fruit. Imagine a disciple who only reads the word and prays, but never does any work, <laughs> never does anything, never bears any fruit. To me, that simply doesn't make sense. Listen to this statement. Discovering Jesus leads us to becoming like him. It makes that we want to step out and do things because of the power and the love that we're experiencing in our lives. It says in the scripture on your screen, John 13, verse 14 to 15, this is where Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And I also want to say on this aspect of serving, I believe that there is tremendous power in serving. And I even believe, I'll go so far as to say that strongholds can actually be broken when that humility and that servanthood is released through the life of children of God. And so we need to encourage one another 
to be those that actually do things to demonstrate the love of God. Encourage one another to follow the example of Jesus. The example where he washed the disciples' feet and that we would serve others. And people should, I believe, be able to see and experience Jesus through our lives. But you know what? It is happening. Already in our congregation, it is happening. Just three weeks ago, a whole bunch of our youth went out to minister. Uh, 60 of our youth loaded them all into a bus, went to go and minister to an informal settlement to a church that is really struggling to get off the ground. They went to go and minister at that church in this informal settlement. And they had a whole bunch of things that they were going to do. And in particular, they gave out things to warm the kids. They gave out beanies. They gave out scarves. They gave out gloves. And they interacted with the parents and the children. And bear in mind, this is in an informal settlement. They also began to do some balloon art and got a lot of kids and did face painting with them. And while they're doing face painting, they're asking them how they're doing. And they're telling them that Jesus loves them. Isn't that such a blessing? And they're reaching out and they had praise and worship team there because they just wanted to bring the presence of the Lord into that place because it changes the atmosphere. They had a whole bunch of flyers printed for that pastor's church and they distributed flyers to the community to help that church to be able to grow and help it get off the ground. And I think we can give our youth a hand for what they did. Isn't that wonderful? And there they were. What were they doing? They were living for him. They were becoming Jesus to others. Another thing happened in just this week. A group from our church, which included uh, our one life group, Lisa's life group, and a number of volunteers from the hospital ministry, they went out and spent the day this week in, uh, in Pretoria West, in a very poor community there, and they went and showed the love of Jesus at an old age home. They took time to just spend time with these elderly people, just to love them and just to hang out and be with them. And they said that these people were so hungry for affection, so hungry for love. They shared a word with them. They also blessed them with abundance of food. There was way more food than was necessary. And what happened is they could even take food to a second old age home and bless them. Wow, what is that? That is the love of God in action. Praise the Lord for what they're doing, showing Jesus to the world. And you know what? Even right here today, we are busy with the week of bounty. All the clothes and the the bags along the front here that have been brought and more will be brought in the second service. You know what? Here we are, blessing with food and blankets and clothing, blessing the community. And sometimes we speak about being Jesus as if it's something that we have to get to, but it's not happening But I want to say to you, well done, church. Well done, church. Can we give a hand for what is taking place? It is happening. And as followers of Jesus, we're becoming one with God by living for him, by becoming Jesus to others. Let's keep demonstrating this love. And the last scripture that I conclude with is John 15, verse 8. And it says, by this, my Father is glorified. When we do these things, Father God is glorified. Father God is, say it, he is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. Let's close in prayer.
Would you stand as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word to us today. And Lord, we say to you that we want to live lives that are sold out to you. We give to you these disciplines of prayer and absorbing the word and and we ask that you would stir by your spirit in our hearts that desire in a greater way. Because we can only do so much in our, in our own effort, but we need Christ to live through us. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us. And I speak over you today. I just almost feel to declare that a new level of prayer is going to begin to arise in your life. I sense a stirring as I'm saying that. I prophesy over the people of God today that a new level of prayer is going to begin to arise in your life. And you're going to find that you're just loving talking to Jesus. Loving praying, loving worshiping Him in a new way. And Lord, we thank You that You can use our lives to become Jesus to other people. And as Your people today, we say, here we are, Lord. Use us. Use me. Show us the small ways in which we can begin. But we say, Lord, we love You and we honor You. And we thank You for this time together in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Amen.